Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 4. And I want to... emphasize the role that the Holy Spirit has in our life and the importance that we give to him and to his work in us. John chapter 4, we're going to compare this text with another statement Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit in John 7. John chapter 4, I'll read verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water. Can you underline that in your Bible, a well of water? This which it says, The water that I shall give shall be in him a well of water, springing up, springing up into everlasting life. And again, everlasting life isn't something we receive later after we move to heaven. This everlasting life is present in the heart of every person who's accepted Jesus Christ as Lord because this well of water is springing up providing this life from God. Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit here when he says this well of water, the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling the hearts of every believer. You know, in Romans, it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your mortal body. The Holy Spirit lives in us. In 1 John, it said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. This indwelling, how the Holy Spirit lives in us is is vital to our lives because he provides that constant flow of, of help, of wisdom, that constant flow of the joy of the Lord, that he provides what characteristics produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, this presence of the Holy Spirit in us is our well of water. And this well of water is consistently, constantly providing a flow of the life of God for us. Hallelujah. But then let's compare to something else Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer in John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and verse 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. Now, he wasn't the main speaker, so he's interrupting this this procession and this um, traditional outpouring of the waters that's taking place on this day. He stands up in the middle of this crowd and said, If any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. Why? Because they're pouring out the drink offering. If you, you study out and you recognize what they did on this day, they, there was a drink offering. Do you remember when David, they, his, his forces broke through and got the water out of the, bell of the well of Bethlehem and they brought it to him and he realized that they had put their lives on the line to bring him this water? And so he realizes, I can't drink this water. This is too precious. They've sacrificed their life for it. And so he pours it out in an offering to the Lord. And so this drink offering became a a traditional thing that they did on this day, on this great day of the feast. And so theologians explain that this is probably about the time when they're doing this drink offering tradition that he steps up and says, I am the drink offering right? I am the water. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, 
as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Well, a river and a well work differently. A well is a provision for daily life. A well is a provision for the the daily needs of water that you may have. But a river moves throughout multitudes. You know, you could take the Mississippi River. It cuts down through all of these states and, and ministers to many different cities, supplying provision. Hallelujah. The rivers transport the provision throughout the multitudes of these cities. And so he says the rivers of living water will flow. Not one river. You hear these songs, I got a river. Well, I've got rivers. It says rivers. I don't just got one. I've got rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit, he provides these rivers of his miracle power, rivers of his healing power, rivers, rivers flowing to the multitudes. Hallelujah. It said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Well, if you've believed on him, you've got the well of water. So what is he referring to? If I believe on him, the well is resident in my heart. Hallelujah. Now, he says, if I believe on him, I should receive the rivers of water. For the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. That's a key as to when the Holy Spirit would be given it would take place some moment after Jesus was glorified. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because. And this is here for us to identify the difference in what he is referring to concerning this working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working in the well of water in my heart providing for my daily life, providing for my daily victory. Yet there is a flow of the Holy Spirit that will work in my life to flow out of me and provide provision and resources from God's miracle power, His healing power, His supernatural ability flowing through us. God's not working supernaturally without His people. He chose his people as the vessels to carry his power. He wants to work through us. When when we see moves of God, they are preceded by people who have prayed for those moves of God, who have, have called out, who have released in prayer these rivers of, of power that have called for the glory of God and called for the miracle ministry of Jesus to be on display in the lives. In Acts chapter 4, they cried out with one voice and they said, Lord... Stretch forth your hand to heal. Stretch forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders would be done. And guess what happened in Acts chapter 5? God stretched forth his hand and healings and signs and miracles were done by the hands of the apostles. Where did it start? Those miracle flows, those rivers of living water flowing into people's lives began as they partnered with God. And so we see here that Jesus has identified two different workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Say that, in my life. life. There are two workings of the Holy Spirit. He wants to be a well of water to me. And he wants to let his rivers flow through me. Hallelujah. Now, when we see... Jesus as our example, let's identify Luke chapter 3, the example Jesus has provided for us. You know, when Peter walked on the water, when, um, when you see 
the examples of how the disciples reacted to, to the things that Jesus did or, or um, reacted to the miracles that they saw. You know, it says in one place that they marveled. The disciples marveled, right? Why? Because the disciples weren't equipped with what Jesus was equipped with. They were not born again in the, in the Gospels until after Jesus' blood was shed. Is that correct? Would you identify that the, whole, that the, the disciples, they were operating under the, the Word of God under the first covenant because the, the blood that would wash them clean had not yet been provided. And so God, they were working in ministry and yet after the blood of Jesus was provided, then they became born-again men. And in that, they are equipped to operate like Jesus. So when, when we see the disciples in the stories of the, the New Testament, the stories before Jesus died, we don't look like Peter in that part of the Bible, when he was walking on the water and he looked and saw the wind and the waves and he began to fear. We don't look like him. We don't need to identify with him. If you want to look at that story and identify with somebody, you look like Jesus because you're alive unto God and you're anointed with his Holy Spirit. So you look like, you don't look like Peter. You look like Jesus in that story. We want to let the example that Jesus has provided in his earthly ministry set the standard for how we respond in situations. And one of the things that we see concerning Jesus in his earthly ministry is here in Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying. Now, remember, he said to John, it is necessary. It must needs be. This is necessary for you to baptize me. Why? Because he was submitting to the authority that God had given man. God had placed John in a position of authority. He sent him and, and he said, it's necessary so that I can be in line. I can be in order. I can submit to the authority of God on the earth that he has given to man. And so when he was baptized, it says the heaven was opened. It did not say clouds parted. Don't think Hollywood pictures. Take the word of God. It says the heavens opened. The heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended. The Holy Spirit descended. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape, like a dove, not a dove, not a dove, like a dove would. If you, if you were to say, he swooped down like an eagle would swoop down on its prey. Well, you're not saying that person is an eagle. You're saying, you're describing how they swooped down and grabbed that child or grabbed that whatever. They swooped down like an eagle. You're describing how they swooped down, right? So the Holy Spirit descended. How did the Holy Spirit descend? Gently, softly, like an eagle, like a, a dove would, would descend, not swooping down like an eagle, attacking Jesus, but gently descending. But what I want you to see, I want you to take the bird out of your picture. <laughs> no bird in this picture, right? The Holy Spirit, the heavens opened, not talking about clouds, the heavens opened because the Holy Spirit came from heaven and the Holy Spirit in his fullness rested upon Jesus. He descended in a bodily shape. The Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape. And what does it say? Upon, ascend, descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Where did he land? Now, did Jesus have the Holy Spirit in his heart already? 
Was Jesus alive unto God? Was the life of God in him? So the Holy Spirit was already indwelling him. The Spirit of God was, was in his heart because he was alive unto God. So the, the Holy Spirit didn't enter him. He was already in his heart. Where did the Holy Spirit? Upon him. Upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. This is our example. After this moment, after this moment, it says the beginning of miracles occurred at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. After this moment, the beginning of miracles, it's called. So there were no miracles of butterflies getting their wings healed. There was no miracles of lizards getting their, their tails. Jesus wasn't practicing on the lizards when he was a little boy. Why? Because he wasn't doing any miracles when he was a little boy. He came as a man and he walked on the earth. And here at this moment, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, upon him, he's walked with the, the, the presence of God in his heart. He understands scriptures. He confounds the teachers. Of the, of the temple because he could understand the word because he was alive unto God. He was the word made flesh. And you're alive unto God. If you've accepted Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit is in you as a well. The Holy Spirit dwells in you as a well of water to provide the life, the daily living substances that you will need to walk in victory. But he says that Jesus, as our example, also had the Holy Spirit come upon him. The chapter 4, verse 1, the following chapter, it goes through and it talks about this genealogy. And then it says, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. That doesn't have, that's never a reference to him before the baptism where he, the Holy Spirit came upon him. But now that the Holy Spirit has come upon him, the Bible refers to him differently. It says now he is full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Is he our example? And then it says he was led by the Spirit. So Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is our example. We are to live full of the Holy Spirit, and we are to live led by the Spirit in our lives. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus, again, had not shed his blood yet. So every other person, even those who he delegated authority to, they were operating the word under the first covenant. But then Jesus went to the cross and he shed his blood and he comes back to these men who, who believe in him, who have followed him, who are his disciples. And let's look at John 20 and let's see what Jesus says to them after he has shed his blood and provided the new birth to them. In John chapter 20 and verse 21, he appears to them, he walks through the wall, the doors were shut, he came and stood in the middle of them. And verse 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. So he tells them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Before this moment, they had no idea what took place on the cross. They weren't aware of their sins being paid. They weren't aware of the blood being poured on the altar in heaven. They weren't aware that the price had been paid for them. But now Jesus comes and he simply says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, how did they receive the Holy Spirit? 
Now, there are, are some who say this is when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, with the baptism, but I want to, I want to let Scripture show us that, remember what it said, after he was glorified? Now, Jesus has ascended, but he, he has not ascended. He, he has went to the cross, he's resurrected, but he's not ascended yet. He's not ascended yet. He was here, and he was seen by people for a number of days, right? So he has not ascended. So he's not been glorified to his place. He, he has his resurrected body, and he says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, if we were going to recognize that the well of water provides our daily eternal life, right? We would say that the evidence or the fruit of that is the fruit of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, kindness, the, all of the fruit of the Spirit is, is available in me. Why? Because I have the well of water. I have the Holy Spirit indwelling me, and what He's providing in my life is that forces of eternal light. So the, the fruit of the Spirit are evidences that I am alive unto God right? He said, you'll know them by their fruit. Well, they did not speak in tongues at this moment, but if you look at Luke 24, which is the ascension, and it's as Jesus is ascending, and right after he ascends, we see evidence of fruit in verse 52, Luke 24, 52. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We're not talking about happiness. He said great joy. So there's evidence that they were born again. Evidence that they have received the new birth. They had already believed on Jesus, so all they had to do was understand when he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, they were born again. They were born again, and now we see evidence of the new birth because they have great joy. And we also look at that scripture that says... The Holy Spirit was not yet given for the rivers because Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is at the moment of the ascension. And after the ascension is when Jesus was, was glorified and seated at the Father. Hallelujah. So we're, we're seeing a scriptural timeline here that identifies the difference so that we can know when Jesus breathed on his disciples who believed in him but didn't know yet, they, had, they received and were born again, and they have joy. They have fruit that shows they are born of the Spirit. They have joy. But Jesus, in this same text of Luke 24, are you still in Luke 24? Come on, this is, this is Bible college material, but you need to know this. You need to know this because this, you, you need to know this pattern so that you can say, wait, 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 I've got the scriptural, the, the scriptural um, process. Hallelujah. Luke 24, the last words Jesus said to them right before he ascended in verse 49, behold, I send the promise of my father upon. Circle that. Did the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus? He said, I send the promise of my Father. Has he already breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, the well of water? Okay, so he says, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued. The word endued means you will put on like a coat like a, like a coat, like a, a, a wrap, a cloak, or a blanket around you, until you be blanketed with, until you be clothed with, until you put like a garment on the power from on high. We're talking about the rivers, the rivers of living water that will help Jesus touch the multitudes. He says, you will be endued. This isn't to the fivefold ministry. This isn't just for the people who stand behind the pulpit. With these, we're not the only ones endued with power. 
Every believer who receives the fullness of the Spirit is endued with the same miracle-working power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This miracle power, he says, until you be endued with power from on high. So Jesus, who has said to them, receive ye the Holy Spirit, there was evidence of joy, but that was the evidence that we see. He says, I will send the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? What is he referring to when he says the promise of the Father? Well, let's see the other place that this conversation was listed. Luke wrote it in Acts chapter 1, and we see a little bit more detail about this same conversation that Luke 24 had. Here in, in Acts, he gives a little bit greater understanding. In Luke 4, I'm sorry, Acts 1 and verse 4, being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's the promise of the Father, that you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of the Father, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come, where? Upon you. You will receive power. The word power is dunamis. It is force, strength, ability. And the Strong's Concordance has a definition that is my favorite. And this is listed in the definition under the Strong's Concordance, worker of miracles. You shall receive the worker of miracles after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You shall receive the worker of miracles, the ability of God, the force, the power, the strength, the miraculous power of God, the worker of miracles. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. How are we going to be witnesses? We have the rivers of living water so that we can witness the power of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's not about us having power. It's about us being used by God to show his power. It's about God's power being seen. It's about God's power touching lives. It's about God's power healing and freeing people and bringing them to a place of liberty where they can think straight and they're not under oppression. Because the power of God, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, city, state, nation, and world, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in all Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. How are we going to do this? The Holy Spirit will come upon us and we shall receive power. We will be endued with power. Glory to God. And so... They obeyed the instruction of Jesus and they waited. They tarried there in Jerusalem. No need to tarry anymore. No need to wait anymore because Acts chapter 2 verse 1 tells us when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled. They were all filled. They already had the well of water, but now the rivers come. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened when they were filled? They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who spoke? 
they spoke. Who gave them the utterance? The Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit did not possess them and take over their tongue and speak without their participation. They spoke and the Holy Spirit gave them the words to speak. They, they supernaturally overflowed of the rivers of water and they began to speak with other tongues. Now, this caused there, the noise, the sound from heaven was as a rushing mighty wind. It wasn't just heard in the house. It says that people who were there in Jerusalem they came together, they, it was noised abroad. When this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because they heard every man speak in his own language. So there were people from all different places and the men speaking, the people speaking, didn't know what they were saying. Yeah. They were just yielding to the Spirit of God, but the, the Holy Spirit was witnessing the Holy Spirit was witnessing through their words to these people from all these different parts. And Peter stands up and begins to preach Jesus and him crucified. He preaches Jesus, how Jesus went to the cross, how Jesus was raised from the dead, and God has exalted him. Verse 33 of Acts chapter 2. Look at it with me. Verse 32, actually. We'll start in 32. This Jesus has God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. We've all seen him. We're looking at the timeline. He says he, he was raised up. We saw him and then what happened? Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, there's the glorified. When Jesus was glorified, he said he would send. He, he would send the Holy Spirit. Having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, when? after he was exalted at the right hand of the Father. When did that happen? At the ascension. Being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He poured out the promise of the Father. And Peter stands up and preaches what you're seeing and what you're hearing is the outpouring of the Spirit of God because Jesus has been exalted. He's been crucified, resurrected. He ascended to the Father. He's exalted and he has poured out this promise of the Father, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And you're seeing and hearing the evidence. What were they seeing and hearing? They were seeing and hearing people speak in other tongues. Amen. Hallelujah. And... Then they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter, verse 38, said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then you shall receive. When you, when you repent and you accept Jesus as Lord, then you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because the only requisite, the only requirement to receiving the Holy Spirit is that you're born again that you already have the well. You have to have the well before you get the river. Amen? Why? Because this, this working of the Holy Spirit is God's design, not just that we live on this earth drinking out of our well only. We drink out of our well and we pour out his rivers. We carry his rivers with us into the workplace. We carry his rivers with us into the grocery store. We, we carry his rivers into the places where the, the, the light can shine and the rivers can flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, if you'll repent and be baptized and in the name of Jesus Christ, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so we see that uh, he provided the altar call and people were saved. And then Acts chapter 8. Let's follow the pattern that we see of how the, the people who were the apostles and the disciples 
who were leading the church as the church began to grow, how did they respond when people received Jesus as Lord? Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching in Samaria. And there is a great revival that people are burning their witchcraft books and they're turning to Jesus. There was great joy in the city. Do you see that in verse 8? Acts chapter 8, verse 8. There was great joy in the city. Where'd that joy come from? They had, they had got their well of water. They're born again. They received Jesus as Lord and now they have joy. And they, it says in verse 12, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they're believed on Jesus. They've received the well. And, and did the disciples say, that's enough? Okay, that's great. Just leave them with the well. They got the well. They got the well of water. That's all they need. No, no. Verse 14 says, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, what was their next step? What is in their their focus? Because we're looking at God's design. When they heard that they'd received the word, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might... Now you notice they didn't say that the Holy Spirit would be given because the Holy Spirit had already been given on the day of Pentecost. They weren't praying that God would give these people the Holy Spirit because God has already given them the Holy Spirit. They prayed that these people would receive what's been given. And often where people have in, in, in circles of where, where we, we have people who come to receive the Holy Spirit and, and they walk away unfulfilled in that receiving, it's because they're waiting for God to give what he's already given instead of bringing their faith to receive and say, Father, this is your, this is the gift of the Father, the promise of the Father, that I have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that I speak in tongues. You want this from me. And bringing our faith to it. If, if people are taught to tarry, then it makes an obstacle for them. If they're taught that they have to come up and beg and beg and beg and plead and wait for God to give. I love the story of one minister who said he, he spent years. He was raised in a full gospel church, but he spent years trying to receive the Holy Spirit, trying to get God to give him the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he would come to the altar and all the men of the church would come around and they would pray for him. And they'd pray, God, send the fire. God, bring the rain. They would pray. They would pray all the, you know, praying for him to receive. And he's at the altar and he's crying out. He's saying, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. Give me the Holy Spirit. Give me. He said, one day the power of God was so strong in the room He said, I looked around and all the men who had come up to pray with me at the altar, they were slain out under the power of God. They had fallen the power. He said, I could barely hold my head up because the power of God. And you know what I'm saying? Lord, give me. Brother Keith Moore. He's saying, Lord, give me. The Holy Spirit was like, hello. I'm here. Receive me. And when he began to to learn under Brother Hagen that the Holy Spirit had already been given and that he needed his bring his faith to receive, to receive by faith this promise of the Father. He said, when I did that without any difficulty, I received the Holy Spirit and I began to speak in tongues. Hallelujah. They prayed that these people would receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was, notice this, fallen upon none of them. They had the well. They were born again. They loved God. They had joy. They had the relationship with the Holy Spirit as a well of water. But as of yet, he had not fallen in this fullness, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He said, yes, John baptized with water, but John even said, there's one who comes after me who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus is that one. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I want him to be to me all that he desires and has been equipped by God to be in my life. 
He wants to be the one who baptizes us with the Spirit of God. It says, as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them and they received. It didn't say God gave. It says they received. They received the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. They received. Now in... Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was a man who was a, a Roman centurion. He wasn't even Jewish. And they, at this time, didn't believe that any people other than the Jews could be saved. But God gave Peter a vision. And he said, don't call unclean what I call clean. And immediately after that vision, he came, he heard there was the Holy Spirit said, there are three men who've come from Joppa, go with them. And so he went down and he went with them. And he is preaching in Cornelius's house in Acts chapter 10. And he is preaching Jesus to them. And as he is preaching, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, he didn't even have to lay hands and ask them to receive or pray that they would receive. He is preaching the word. So it's not a requirement to have hands laid on you to receive the Holy Spirit. They were receiving by faith. They were so open and ready for all that God had to them, had for them. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And what happened? Verse 46, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And all of the Jewish people who came with Peter, they were shocked. But you know what proved to them? What was evidence? They said, they have received the Holy Spirit. They must have gotten saved. Yeah. It was an evidence to them. It says, verse 45, they were astonished because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift. Oh, I love the fact that this Rivers, rivers of water. This receiving of the rivers is refer referred to as the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a privilege that the Spirit of God himself, not only will he live in us and provide us the living water to drink of every day so that our lives and our marriages and our families can be strong, but he will also envelop us and endue us with power and come upon us and allow the rivers of God's love, the rivers of God's miracle power to flow through us. Hallelujah. They heard them speak with tongues. Hallelujah. Now we saw in Acts chapter two that when they were filled, they spoke. And we see here again in Acts chapter 10, that when they were filled, they spoke. And I believe it's also in Acts chapter 19 when Paul came across the people in uh, uh, Ephesus. It says the first thing he asked them in Acts 19 too, he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't know about the Holy Spirit. So he preached Jesus to them. They were, they were still keeping the faith under John's baptism, but he preached Jesus to them. They were baptized in Jesus' name. And then, verse 6, Paul laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. So they're believers, but now the Holy Spirit comes on them. And what happens? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the well of water is connected to the fruit of the Spirit. All of us who have the well, we have the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the meekness, all of the fruit of the Spirit of God. But those of us who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit as well also have received evidences. It's they, the gifts of the Spirit from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are now available and flowing that the Holy Spirit, as He wills, can move through us. And the gifts of the Spirit are the, the tongue, the gift of the uh, tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues, the working of miracles, the, uh, uh, word of, the working of the word of wisdom, the working of the word of knowledge, the uh, uh, discerning of spirits. Did I say that one already? 
Hallelujah. All of those that are listed there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they are available to flow as the Spirit wills through the rivers. Just like the nine, there are nine fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, there are nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. And what happens when they receive? These people just got saved. They had been keeping the faith under John's baptism, but they just accepted Jesus as Lord. And they got filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Well, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because it's the rivers. The rivers were flowing. And they prophesied. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Hallelujah. When, when we see the, the emphasis, so we see, we see Acts chapter 2, they were filled and they spoke with tongues. Acts chapter uh, uh, eight did not refer to it, but there was something that was evidenced because Simon the sorcerer saw it and wanted to have that power to give people the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there was evidence. But we do see in Acts chapter 10 and here in Acts chapter 19, three, three witnesses that when they were filled, they spoke with tongues. When they were filled, they spoke with tongues. Hallelujah. So we don't want to reason away and say, well, I'm filled with the Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues. Why would I take that out of my life? If, he, if, if this is the evidence of the New Testament, that when they were filled, they spoke with other tongues, why would I want to limit that or, or, or negate that from being important in my life? It's important because the Word emphasizes it. The Word testifies to our need for this fullness and for us to cooperate with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. That was the Bible evidence that they had received the Holy Spirit is that they spoke with tongues. Hallelujah. But did they only speak in tongues this one time? Did they only speak in tongues this one time? Well, let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14 and let's let the Apostle Paul, who is dealing with the church at Corinth and bringing some correction... And, and bringing some balance to some areas. Let's let a testimony he gives. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. I speak with tongues more than you all. Now again, he's bringing balance and he's making this testimony as part of the fact that I speak in tongues more than you all, but in the church, it would not benefit for me to get up here and speak in tongues for an hour. It would be more beneficial for me to preach the word to you in a language you can all understand, right? Because if I just stood up here and speak with tongues for an hour, after a while, you're going to lose interest. You're going to be like, what is she saying? We're waiting for an interpretation. We're waiting for the Holy Spirit to reveal what she's saying. So that's why he was bringing balance. He said, in the gift of tongues, if somebody gets up and, and speaks in tongues with this gift of the Spirit, there needs to be an interpreter. And if not, let them keep silent in the church. Hallelujah. So, so that means we have to have enough, enough gathering and assembling together that we know that there's someone here who the Holy Spirit will help me if I've got a tongue and I, I've never had the interpretation, then there must be someone who's going to have an interpretation of what I'm saying. Hallelujah. And then he said, because God's not the author of confusion. But notice he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. So, so speaking in tongues isn't something that we do just once when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Scripture gives us the clue to the power supply. Jesus said, you'll be endued with power. Jude 1 identifies how that speaking in tongues works that power. Jude 1, and there's only one chapter in Jude, so Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Why? Why? Because when I'm 
praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm building up myself. I'm building up my spiritual energy. This word building is a word that means uh, uh, to edify. I'm edify yourselves, to build, to construct, to edify. Edify yourself, how? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Can you show me the amplified here? Hallelujah. This will, this will light your fire. Amen. Building up yourselves, the King James says. The Amplified says, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. Make progress. Rise like an edifice higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. So when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you can just picture your spiritual strength. Those, it's, it's gaining momentum, it's building, it's strengthening, it's, it's rising, it's rising like you'll, you'll see the battery charger when it's down to just two batteries, <laughs> like, like this one, like you can see, you can look and see on here the, how much battery supply is here, and if you look in, in your spirit and you're like, my battery supply is low, right? I need to pray in the Holy Spirit and build up my spiritual strength. So you see, when he says you will be endued with power from on high, that he is identifying that the Holy Spirit will not only um, provide these rivers of living water, uh, but this praying in the Holy Spirit is a supercharge to my spirit. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, let's go back there because I need to show you two other things, but you needed to see that first. 1 Corinthians 14. And verse one. Follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts that you may prophesy. Uh, but rather that you may prophesy for he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God for no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, again, first Corinthians is correcting. Paul is correcting. The Holy Spirit is correcting because they had gotten over in, into excess and they were just getting up and speaking in tongues and he's saying, you need to edify. The, your, your motive needs to be to edify the church. So in the church service, speaking in tongues without an interpretation is not going to edify. But I want you and I to see from this instruction what will benefit our understanding of speaking in tongues. He says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks unto God. Not unto men, but unto God. So when you're speaking in tongues, God understands you. You don't understand you, but the Holy Spirit is giving you the words and you're speaking and God knows what you're saying. Amen. So do you see how we've got, to, we've got to let our faith override our reasoning? Because the first time I ever spoke in tongues, my head said, you sound silly. My head was trying to tell me that what I was doing was, was, sounded foolish, but my heart knew the scripture. My heart knew that God understands me. When I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking unto God. And notice it says, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. I'm speaking things that I don't know, and I'm speaking things that the devil doesn't know. When I'm praying in tongues, he can't understand. It's my coded language. I, he doesn't understand what I'm talking about, but the Holy Spirit is helping me. He's giving me the utterance to speak things, mysteries, and call into and pay, put into place things that need to be put into place. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries, and God understands those things. Hallelujah. Verse four, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. It's a similar word to what we saw in Jude. This word means to charge like a battery. He that speaks in an unknown tongue charges himself like a battery. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. The whole atmosphere is different when a group of believers have been throughout the week praying in tongues throughout the week, spending time in their prayer time, spending dedicated time before the Lord, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, praying those mysteries, and then we come together, there is a greater atmosphere for because we're all charged. We're all, we're all plugged in. We've all been plugged in. Nobody's come in drained. Imagine what could happen to the, the people who come in to find God here and they meet a group of people who are all fully charged. Everybody in the seats, all the, all the believers are fully charged. And then the unsaved come in, they're looking for God. They're looking for help. Like I came looking for God. You know, I went into that first church and I don't think anybody there was charged. They were kind of shocked I was there and embarrassed, didn't know what to do with me. And they said a cute little prayer and sent me on my way. And the people who had found out, who had prayed with me in the hospital, found out I'd come to the church and they came looking for me. And they took me to a place that there were people who were plugged in and people who were fully charged. There was miracle power there, power I'd never experienced before. And, and when hands were laid on me, when I accepted Jesus as Lord and hands were laid on me, the power that had held me captive left my body. I was set free supernaturally. I went down, I went down so high. They woke me up, I was so high. I was sitting in the seat so high that I couldn't stay awake. I was nodding like this, nodding in the seat. And then when the power of God touched my life, when I got up off the floor, I was so sober. I was more sober than I'd been in 10 years. I was more clear in my mind than I'd been in, in years. Why? Because the people were charged. There, I met a group of people who all had their batteries fully charged. And the power of God could flow through them to me and change my life. That's God's design. God doesn't have in his design any people who have drained their batteries. His plan is that we stay fully charged. And how do we stay fully charged? He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. We need that edification. You need the Holy Spirit in his fullness. And if you've received once or in the past the Holy Spirit in his fullness and you don't yield to him consistently to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you, then you may have received him once, but that doesn't mean you're fully charged today. To be fully charged, there needs to be a consistent releasing of those words in the spirit where you are allowing him to pray through you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So here we see that he says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Can we see the amplified of that? Hallelujah. The amplified of verse four. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies. Oh, I like that too. I need some self-improvement, y'all. How do we get this improvement that God has? He improves himself. Could you stand for some improvement? He that speaks in a tongue improves himself. Hallelujah. We could take that. The Weiss translation says these... Um, uh, um, he utters with his human spirit as energized by the Holy Spirit, divine revelations. I think I'm, I've got a different one there. Hallelujah. He improves himself. I need the improvement. Let's look again at verse 14. I don't think we've looked at, we looked at 18 last time. Let's look at 14, same chapter. If I pray in an unknown tongue, so now we know we can pray in tongues. If I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. When I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. So the Holy Spirit's not doing my praying while I'm sleeping. He's not interceding for me while I'm sleeping. He's, he's given me the words. He's giving me mysteries. He's speaking a language God understands. And it says, when I pray, my spirit prays. 
but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? So what's the answer then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Verse 17, for you truly, verily, give thanks well, talking about when you, when you give thanks with the Holy Spirit, but the other is not edified. So what was he saying? In the sanctuary, in the multitude, when you're gathering together, what's important is that other people are able to understand and receive edification. But in your personal life, what's important is that you are edified by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying when you pray in the Spirit, your spirit, when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, you are edified, you are strengthened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I taught you all of this to bring you to an answer you need. It's in Romans chapter 8. And this is an area that I want you to latch a hold of. I want you to grasp the value and the importance because there are things that we need to deal with for, for our families. There are things we need to pray for our children, for our grandchildren, things we need to pray for the furtherance of our church, for, the, for our pastor, for the vision of faith builders. There are things that we need to pray, and our, un, our understanding is not going to fulfill the, what needs to be said in prayer. So we need help. Romans chapter 8. Likewise, verse 26, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. What is the infirmity that he helps us with? The Holy Spirit helps our infirmities, colon. So now the colon is going to indicate that we're going to describe what are the infirmities. What is the area of weakness? The Amplified says weakness. I think the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Here it is. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought to pray. Anybody ever found yourself there? Found yourself praying about something and your spirit is so, it's pulling, it's, te- it's, it's yearning for something. It's trying to move in that direction. It's trying to grab hold of the answer of God. And you're just like, I'm not getting it done. What do I pray about this? I've prayed everything I know. And I still have that sensing in my spirit. I still have that prompting of the Lord to to bring this to him in prayer. We don't know. That's a weakness of the, the human ability, but we're not limited to our human ability. He says the Holy Spirit will help us. The Amplified, go, I like that. He comes to our aid and bears us up. Oh, when I find myself at that place of saying, I don't know what else to pray. He says, here, here I am. Let me lift you up to a place you can see. Let me lift, let, let me help you in this. He bears us up for we don't know what prayer to offer nor how to offer it worthily or correctly as we ought. So what does he do? The spirit himself goes to meet our supplication. The King James says he makes intercession. Now the word intercession means to go between, to go between. He, he bears us up. He, he meets our supplication and pleads in our behalf. Do you see that? He's going between. He's He's bringing those spiritual mysteries that we don't know how to pray, and he's bringing them through our heart and through our mouth as this river flows. And I'm speaking in tongues, and the Holy Spirit is pronouncing the words that God understands and God is answering. I don't have the fullness, but my heart is connected and I am by faith releasing those words and those mysteries and I'm praying it out in the spirit. Hallelujah. You know that man, that that Blanche's father that Brother Hagin always talked about? How he got up at 5.30, he's starting to build the fire in the the fireplace in the wood stove and, and he hasn't gone out yet to feed the cows or the pigs or the chickens. 
but the, the, the presence of the Lord prompted him to get on his knees and begin to pray for his daughter Blanche. Blanche and her husband were on the mission field. And it was, this was back probably in the 40s and there wasn't a whole lot of communication, but the Holy Spirit communication works even greater than any telegram, <laughs> even greater than any text or any phone call. The Holy Spirit prompted this man and he got down on his knees and he prayed from 5.30 in the morning till about 2.30 in the afternoon. And the chickens were clucking and the cows were mooing and everybody was wanting their breakfast and their lunch, but he's out there praying. Do you think he did that in his understanding? He was praying in the Spirit and he didn't know what he was praying about other than he knew he was praying for his daughter, that it's something about his daughter's well-being. And he prayed and he prayed and his wife got down and prayed with him and they prayed until what happened? Till he got a note of victory. When he sensed the victory, he stopped and he got up and, and went about his business rejoicing and giving God thanks. How did he know, what, how did he know to pray? How did he know how long to pray? How did he know he prayed until the Holy Spirit was praying through him and helping him and bringing him the understanding that he needed with those promptings? Yeah. It says the Holy Spirit will meet our supplications. He makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He's not going to do it without you, but he'll do it for you through you. And he that searches the heart, who is that? The Holy Spirit. He that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So God, God knows, the Holy Spirit knows what's in God's heart, and the Holy Spirit knows what's in your heart. And the Holy Spirit, it says, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you are praying the perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit's not going to pray something through you that you're going to end up with and say, golly, <laughs> what is this doing in my life? No, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, he is making intercession according to the will of God. So when you don't know how to pray about that situation, that's a weakness, but we're not at a, at a, at a, a deficit. He's made up for that deficit because he's filled us with this spirit. And he says, when you don't know how to pray, you can pray with the help of the Holy Spirit and he will pray according to the will of God. And verse 28 is connected to verse 26 and 25 or 27. You can't take verse 28 and pull it out and apply it outside of this conversation. The conversation is the Holy Spirit praying through you what you don't know how to pray. That's when all things will work together for your good because you've prayed according to the will of God through the help of the Holy Spirit. So you can expect that all things are going to work out for your good when you have partnered with the Holy Spirit in prayer. You have allowed him to pray through you and you have followed his promptings to continue in that vein, to continue in that prayer until you have that note of victory, until you find that peace. And then you can say, we know that all things will work together for good. Hallelujah. If you'll look at the, the amplified of that one as well. We know that all things will work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Why? Because we've prayed with the help of the Holy Spirit. It says, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, how did he partner with us? The Holy Spirit gave us utterances in tongues when we prayed. Hallelujah. I want, I want you to know you need this gift of the Holy Spirit.